Welcome to Geeks with Kids, your bi-weekly geeky podcast from a parenting, I, I always say that wrong, parenting point of view. I'm one of your hosts, Steve, and uh, welcome to the show. Joining me this week is uh, Eric. Hi. Matt. Hello. And Hawk. Hey. All right. So we're all here, and we're all here to talk about the Dark Crystal, which uh, aired, uh, the Netflix show, I mean, which aired on August 30th. So it's been out for a couple weeks. And um, yeah. Age of Resistance. Age of Resistance. Yes, yes. Dark Crystal, Age Let's of Resistance. Let's not forget that um, this takes place during The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to say anything, but when I was watching the show, I couldn't <laughs> help but feel... The application of the word resistance in this show made me feel so much more for the characters than in most recent media. Because I feel like the resistance is in something else too, not just Star Wars, but, and, I, and it just, it, it, it doesn't have the same resonance. Uh, which is to say, I really like the show. I mean, it, it really moved well, me. Hey, Mark Hamill well, had more show- screen time in this than he did in uh, Last Jedi. Oh my Jedi, God. So. Oh, oh my God. Okay, okay, let's, no, no, let's not no. make any connections. <laughs> well, I'm sure. There, there, there's more to them resisting. Like, we get more of a sense of the bad guys in the Dark Crystal than we do in the Star Wars movies. Yeah, and, and, so, and also, like, yeah, okay, to, to be fair, there's there's 10 hours of, <laughs> of the Age of Resistance compared to, you know, like the two movies. But nevertheless. Text. Uh, yeah, we could go on and on. Let's not go there. We won't so, go there. All right. We'll go there later. Dark Crystal. <laughs> I actually even cut uh, and pasted the opening of the first film from 1982. I'm just going to read this dramatically. Yay. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. A thousand years ago, this land was green until the crystal cracked. A single piece lost. A shard of the crystal then strife began, and two new races appeared. So, um, I just wanted to say that the Dark Crystal original film was really something else for me, at least at the time. And mm-hmm. um, I have a bunch of factoids, but I just wanted to know, like, uh, when did you guys see the film? It's the first thing I wanted to put out. Too young. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, Hawk? <laughs> Far too young. Um I have a bit of a story with it and that because it was kind of one of those stunted childhood things and that. But uh, nice. anyways, it was uh, originally going to be shown to us at our Catholic elementary school back in 82 during oh. like what turned into like a snow day. And oh. it was all supposed okay. to be sent home, but the, they were trying to contact our parents and that. Uh, and I guess it was a, like for a planned film night. So they decided, well, let's just gather everyone in the gymnasium and yeah. uh, you know, while we're getting into <laughs> their parents and we'll show them the dark crystal. That'll keep them entertained for an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So it gets about, oh, let's see. We had just saw the, we'd seen the, the death of the mystic. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, if, uh, right at the I, beginning. I, I'm going spoilers here for, yeah, it's been 36 yes. years, so whatever. The yeah, spoilers. The, we saw the death of the mystic, you know, which, you know, is for kids was, you know, pretty, mm-hmm. hard, pretty good, you know, like pretty harsh, but, you know, it was well done. Right. Then we get to the scene of the emperor dying, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and this completely opposite reaction, you know, the thing just clawing to life and power and that, you know, before just crumbling into dust and that. Yeah. But what set it off, I guess, for the teachers was the uh, the throne room battle for the for the supremacy for the right. emperor. Yeah, really? it was screaming. 
Child yeah, by it, Stone. It, I think it had to do with the stripping of the Chamberlain. Oh, that. yeah. That's, they, what got, that's what really kind of got the teachers going in that because, yeah. you know, obviously, it, you know, it was just a creature in that. But the nudity involved, I think, was what kind of broke the the straw the camel's back. And then the stripping wow. of Jesus's robes, that didn't, they didn't have any issues with that at the, your Catholic no, no, you know, that's canon. <laughs> yeah. Did, um, well, how old were you when you saw like, So that I would have been like seven mm-hmm. around that time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Matt. So uh, they, anyways, at that point they turned the film off and I never got to see the end. <laughs> so when did you actually finish the movie then? Like I didn't really watch the whole thing. I've always seen fragments of it and that, you know, the lore is just kind of one of those inescapable things that comes with the nerd culture and that. But like, you know, yeah. I don't think I really saw it until like re- very recently. In last Adelaide. week. It was last week, wasn't it? No, it, was like, <laughs> it was at least a couple months ago when this thing actually dropped on Netflix. I got to sit and watch it from beginning to end for the first time. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to ask you what you thought then, seeing it as an adult. Uh, Matt, when did you first encounter? Uh, I think film? it was 88, 89, mm-hmm. whenever, whenever it was out released on, uh, on video yeah. for the first time. That'd be the same uh, for me. Yeah. And yeah, it uh, it stuck with me for a very mm-hmm. long time. Um, mm-hmm. it, it took me until I don't know a few years ago to not be terrified of Fizzgig, <laughs> and like That's terrified fair. but still loved the loved it at the same time. Yes, you know it was like he was so cute and fun, cuddly. But the first time you see him, that you know, popping out of the rock and the giant shark mouth full of teeth and the howling. Yeah, terrified no, I, me as a child. I think that's a really good uh, sort of analogy for the the whole world. It's it's terrifying but fascinating at the same time. Like yeah. every element of it. Um, so I just have a couple background facts. I'll just throw out um, uh, Jim Henson. Uh, his brain started to form the idea all the way back to nineteen in nineteen seventy six. And um, he came across the illustrator, uh, Brian Froud, who is sort of pivotal to both series uh, because he came across a, a, a book that he had created, uh, I think, uh, Once Upon a Time or something uh, similar yeah. to that. And uh, anyway, they started to work together on something that would resemble uh, Lord of the Rings in scale and tone, which I, I think does sort of come across. Um, uh, apparently, uh, Henson was really, really determined and and he threw himself into this uh but he had a lot of trouble uh getting um finance and uh and they were really skeptical about its marketability and according to henson's daughter lisa uh he was told that he could only make the dark crystal if he made two bankable muppet films and those (laughs) films would be uh the muppets take manhattan and the great muppet caper and uh, that takes us to 1982 uh when uh jim henson and frank oz directed the film it was produced also by Henson and Gary Kurtz. And the screenplay was written by uh, David O'Dell, who also worked on Masters of the Universe and Supergirl. Um, <laughs> and according to co-director Frank Oz, Henson's intention was to get back to the darkness of the original Grimm's fairy tales, uh, as he believed that it was unhealthy for children to never be afraid. And uh, so I guess that brings me uh, first to <laughs> my next question then. Um what, uh, if anything, uh, traumatized you about this film uh, as a kid? Um, uh, Matt, do you want to start? Uh, you know, I'll lead off because there, there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot with this movie. Um, like I said, the fizz gig bit always, always got me anxious. Even sure. as an adult watching, I'm like, I know it's coming, I know it's coming. And then watching it again as an adult, I'm like, okay, it's not nearly as, as bad as it was when I was a kid. But I was a kid, and you didn't know what Yeah, was. but it's a giant yeah. mouth with two yeah. rows of teeth. Like, it's, it's messed Ooh. up. <laughs> yeah. 
But then I got over it and you know, got a dog that looks exactly like it. So, it <laughs> uh, um, and um, the Gartham really got me. Oh, really? okay. Yeah, mm. they could, well, because then they're, they're supposed to look terrifying and unnatural, and they sure were terrifying and unnatural. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually have that big an issue with the Skeksis on the, as a whole. Okay. I was like the reverse were, of you. Weird. Yeah, they, they were intriguing to me, but they weren't terrifying. I mean, I, I loved Chamberlain, which was very strange, especially yeah. as a child. It's like that, char- that, that character I found immensely entertaining. Yeah. Um, he's a good villain. It's phenomenal. And yeah. it's, he's a villain, kind of, which is the weird part. He's a, he's a self-serving villain. Yeah. But I, I don't think uh, many uh, villains, uh, especially in the 80s, were that... Um, cunning you know like they're yeah. usually like you know very grandiose he's the star scream of villains right he's very yes. conniving and plotting and, and a bit of a you know uh you love to hate. yeah it's also, it's also the pathetic straight season in that they, you know it's, it's a motivation for his character in that but it also really kind of reveals the character he's in because he's so desperate yeah yeah uh eric uh, you were saying you had an opposite to uh, oh yeah I, I was fine with the um the gartham oddly enough mostly because I like eating crabs, so you know, <laughs> I was like whatever. It's a giant crab; it probably tastes delicious. Yeah. Um, but the Skeksis, I don't know. Just the, the the frail, like evil crow or not crow vulture. Li- yeah, like, they mis- were they're described as vulture lizards. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're they're very, like vultures to me. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah like the vultures with look of their design is yeah. very terrifying. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think that pretty much was the first thing I was like, eh, no. And then the podling getting drained when it's yep. just, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well I'm not going to sleep for. <laughs> ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, my oldest daughter sat down beside me and started watching. She's like, Oh, this is cool. And nothing really scared her in it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where that came from. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it might, I mean, you know, every kid's a little different, but I mean, I think, I think maybe part of it is there's nothing like it though. Right. I mean, everything is, you know, even CG created worlds aren't necessarily as rich because like (laughs) just the plant life alone, like there's so much to look at, you know? So Mm -hmm. maybe the shock hasn't really set in yet. Um, (laughs) We'll see. see She's also of a generation where we have stuff like they have stuff like Lord of the Rings and all these like epic Harry Potter that, that it's sort of the norm and they've been raised with it. So it's not as, jarring to see i mean it's cool to see for, I yes. think, for them because like they're seeing something that's live and in, in taking up actual space as opposed to a computer but just the the unique creature design is not as jarring for that generation now sorry um, um i was just saying i was thinking um like she got scared at the end of the live action on aladdin um but sure i don't that's know fair. i guess um yeah it's it's neat to see what she would what find thing? scary now right yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, um, uh, yeah, you make a good point, Matt, about Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. I mean, they, they have kind of set a new bar, you know, for mm-hmm. children's stuff, whereas yeah. this was this was the new bar back, yeah. you know, for oh, yeah. us just, like, yeah, the, in the 80s. And they've, it's been said numerous times that the, that the puppet design and the animatronics they created for, like they legitimately mm-hmm. created for this film was so groundbreaking yes. at the time. That there was nothing like it. So, I mean, people seeing it, even us... You know, yeah. when we were younger, like these things, these were things that were moving and breathing and taking up physical space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not yeah. like a Muppet where you can kind of be like, okay, I, I can see that. Yes, it's kind of a puppet. Like these things looked 100% real. Yeah. But the Skeksis. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, that's what's really uh, so terrifying about the Gartham and that is that it's, yeah. 
you know, if they were, if you could tell that they were just like people, like puppets underneath a couple of sticks mm-hmm. moving about and that, they would not be as terrifying in that. But yeah. like you feel that there really was somebody inside that suit and that, which gave it that mm-hmm. kind of the swaying and the motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their, their yeah. legs just. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but that, great that design. Guddling leg thing. Yeah. It was uh, terrifying. So the Gartham uh, were uh, 70 pounds of fiberglass and uh, they were so heavy that the operators uh, had to take breaks like every five minutes because uh, it was just so, so much weight. Um, also, uh, I just wanted to add that uh, uh, Brian Froud came up with a design for the Gartham uh, based off of um, lobster dinners he had with Jim Henson and he played with the parts <laughs> and he kind of like assembled it out of, you know, the pieces. I, uh, I, so, knew, I knew it looked delicious for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Hawk, uh, what was your most traumatic memory? Since unfortunately, you only saw the the little yeah, bit of it. I know. It, it, were it, you it, traumatized? No, I mean, like I was disappointed. <laughs> yeah, like, of you course, shut it off. You know? <laughs> the trauma well, like, was having it shut off. <laughs> oh yeah, but we were captivated at the time, so I don't know if there was anything traumatic. It was. It's more just kind of like it's just a spoiled memory in that you know, just yeah. wanting to see what what happened afterwards. That's so funny. The trauma was the teachers. And the yeah. funny part. The funny part is, and this is just pure nerd knowledge irony, is that if you could go back in time and your teachers were like, "Well, I don't think it's a problem," it's like, "No, no, no." That <laughs> the Chamberlain's the guy that played pilot, so it's okay. He deserves this. <laughs> oh, oh man! Because it always you tell that, these are the bad guys. Yeah, like it always threw me that you know because Barry Denon, who was the actor that played Pontius Pilate in London in Jesus Christ Superstar for years and years and years, right. voiced the Chamberlain. That's amazing. So that's wow. one of those, it's like that weird. You can go back like, no, no, it's Pilot. It's okay. He deserves this because he's a bad person. Wow. <laughs> Nice. Wow, that's, all the connections. That's, that's my random voice actor nerd cred for this <laughs> that's movie. That's awesome. And the red robes and everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, it was uh, what Eric said. Uh, it was the podlings, uh, which incidentally were envisioned as people in harmony with their environment. So Froud based their design on potatoes, which... Uh, definitely comes But yeah, no... Uh, I enjoyed the whole film, but I have this thing where like, I'll keep certain things in mind as I'm watching a film, kind of like uh, with uh, executive decision, like when Steven Seagal, Seagal falls out of the plane at the beginning, I thought for sure he was going to come back and I waited for half an hour for him to come back and never happened. Yeah. Well, in Dark Crystal, uh, after they drained the podlings, I'm just like, oh my God, like that's horrible. Like, I mean, he looks like, you know, he looks like death now. And then by the end of the movie, I was just waiting for a solution for them to all restored. And it kind of never really happened. And yeah. that stuck with me afterwards. Like I'd think about it for years and years <laughs> later, just like that pale gaze, you know, that, that new like white hair, you know, look of yeah. that, that, yeah. It, uh, desiccated was a word that when I first learned it, I immediately associated with the dark crystal Yeah, <laughs> because of, because of the guy who dies at the very beginning, the, the, the emperor or, or the king or whatever. And, yeah. and because he actually literally crumbles the dust and then these poor podlings. So, so that was my, uh, that was my trauma. Yeah. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. That is an excellent one. <laughs> a good one. Yeah. It definitely stuck with me. So, um, I guess the next question that I wanted to put out there was, uh, were there uh, any other impacts on you uh, from the film other than trauma that uh, you can trace into your adult life? Um, so I guess I'll start with Hawk since you just watched it. Uh, yeah. Right <laughs> like what stands out for you then, I guess, as someone who, who didn't really grow up with the movie properly and, and then saw it, like what was the thing that you kind of could take away from it as maybe why it has like, 
you know, this cult following? Um, why it has a cult following in that, I think it's pretty easy, you know, to, you know, see in that, like the artwork was just so strange in that the designs of the Skeksis and the, and the mystics alone, you know, Mm -hmm. are what really kind of kept people's interest in this, you know, for so many years and that, um, but watching it and that, I I had this kind of revelation in that, that I think it seems obviously influenced by Star Wars, but I guess Return of the Jedi was probably influenced by a few couple key scenes in this. What's the timing on that, Eric? So it was in well, eighty-two. Jedi came um, out in nineteen eighty-three. Yeah, okay. the year after it this been, came out, they so would have already started been filming in production. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking it was already in production, but then again, like I was looking at the the scene of the mystic dying and that, and the way he just faded out, and thinking sure. like you know Yoda a year later and that. Yeah, you know, it is quite I, a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. because um, well, and and you well, have Frank Oz as the connection. Right. Yeah, it, yeah, it's the Muppet design and that, but yeah. I yeah. I could see like it it kind of influencing other films that we loved and that yeah and these abrasive you know wise people as well like yeah, yeah it's, and it is very similar yeah Jim Henson and George Lucas were friends so it's not like they yeah. probably they probably threw ideas at each other yeah sure. oh sure yeah yeah well um, especially when it comes to like puppet stuff and I mean Jedi was was very puppet heavy so I'm sure and he, I know he I think he worked with Henson to just develop a lot of it too so yeah. I'm sure they well, were found Yoda, right? for yeah. yeah Yoda for sure but I mean also like the, the Sarlacc the the Ewoks all that for mm-hmm. Jedi. so I'm sure they were in conversation when he was in production for Dark Crystal yeah no it definitely has this uh this uncanny sort of a Star Wars quality to it, um, um, just just in terms of the pacing and the the journey. Um, even just that, sorry, even just that key scene and that, you know, when he fades out and the yes. cloth falls, and that, yep. just like seeing that a year later with the, yeah, with Yoda and that. Yeah, no, it is yeah. kind of weird that 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 happened uh, the same way. Um, yeah, yeah. Mystics are uh, Yoda. Yoda is yeah. mystic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Erica, uh, what stuck with you as uh, since you did watch it as a kid? Um, I thought the idea of the duality of the yes. Ursex, yeah. what are they called? Ursex. The Ursex. Oh, at the end, yes. I thought the idea of them being both Skeksis and the Uru. Yeah, I thought that was a neat idea. And it always stuck with me. Um, yeah. that duality of even even as a kid you know, like there's that as a catholic kid growing up you're like there's that little devil and there's a little angel so it sort of played huh. that idea i thought that was really neat it was sort of one of those ideas you yeah you know, it was a lot like the division in heaven right when all the bad angels were kicked out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so have you have you checked out the lore on it i was just kind of brushing up on it and that with at, at the darkcrystal.com and that on the mythology nope no no no, no what did you come across uh well it it had to do with the conjunctions and that the first conjunction is what brought the the ursex to thra they were apparently mm. cast out of their original world and that because of their dual their dual natures and that oh They're, by nature they were seen to be in conflict with each other and that and the other beings of their race were pure at the time hmm so they were forced out, and uh, the first conjunction brought them to Thra. But they weren't separated until the second conjunction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they entered into the light of the crystal of truth and that to purify themselves. And instead of be, you know, be, being purified, they were just basically half split. Yeah, into the Skeksis and the Uru. Yeah, it was a very, I was very, there's a lot of throat, like shades of uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's Jekyll and Hyde with, you know, they're trying to eliminate the evil. Yeah. And keep the good, and they did that by literally splitting themselves into two separate personas. Hmm. 
Nice. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I knew in doing some of my research, there was a lot of like uh, uh, different ideas that uh, Jim Henson was pulling from. And, mm-hmm. and definitely now that I've seen the TV series, I want to look into like all these comic books and there's like, there was like a series oh, of the, novels. The, the, so the comics were really, really, are really cool reads if you can yeah, find yeah. them. They're very, very hard to you find. Can, you can yeah. find um, the collections of them, which are easier to yeah. find, but yeah, the yeah. individuals are impossible. I'm sure they'll do another run now though. There'll be definitely. Well, I was, I was actually looking around at uh, Comic-Con and talked to some vendors and they, they were not Comic-Con, uh, Fanex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then I was asking, like, do you guys have the collections? They said, they said it's so hard to find the collections right now because... Yeah. Oh, because yeah. They're, like, they're, but as soon as they announced they were doing the revival, yeah. like the yeah. prequel series, the stocks that most of them had were bought up really fast. Yeah, people, but they'll, oh, they'll do another reprint for sure. Oh, I mean, it'd be, yeah. it'd be ridiculous. And there are PDFs online. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, Matt, um, <laughs> moving on from that, yeah. um, what stuck with you that wasn't negative about um well it, it stems off what we were already talking about just it's just the uh the, the duality of the the uru and the skeksis and how like they were right. so they were so linked where you know if one would die the other would die at the same time just because yeah. they were intrinsically linked that that really stuck with me i thought that was a very very cool concept because you know yeah. it's typically in this in a story like that you always have like you have the good guys and the bad guys and you're like oh gems yeah. working with the mystics he's one of the good guys but then you realize that the mystics are part of that right and yeah. like they're they're aware of of the scenario and you know they they're uh, what's the word i'm looking for complacent in part of the in the problem even though they're removed from it they're still complacent in it because they yeah. could they could have stopped it if they wanted to but they wouldn't because it's them yeah no i i it's funny because that was also the thing i was gonna uh talk about was that duality because somehow um you know i now sadly uh, going back to the movie all these years later i i remembered something a little bit more epic uh than i feel that the film actually is Mm -hmm. uh but those concepts are definitely there and yeah that just like i I mean obviously when the, the two die at the beginning Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a coincidence, but as the journey continues and then you start to see them dying in pairs, yeah. you know, you start to really make that connection, especially as a kid. It's just like, it's, it's crazy to imagine like two races linked in this way, you know, and more of those links start to appear. Yeah, it was, um, uh, for me, yeah, for me, it was the, the like, so I was saying, again, it was for me, I always looked at it as, Oh, that's kind of coincidental. But, and then, you know, yeah. like you weren't sure. And it was the moment that Skektek fell into the, yeah, the fire the chamber and then it shows the mystic just bursting into flame. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. They buried that so well in that. But the first hint of it, it wasn't even the, at the beginning, like, you know, you saw these two creatures die in that. The mystic yeah. dies in yeah. that and then the emperors and you don't make the connection in that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that scene when the mystics are traveling in that and yeah. uh, the Chamberlain confronts uh, Jen and and he gets uh, his hand, his hand, gets cut. The hand yeah. cut. And then you see it happen on the oh, mystic yeah. as well. Yeah, and he just yeah. looks, yeah. 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 Was, no, no, you go ahead. There was another thing that um, really stuck with me through this mm-hmm. um, when I was little was um, the idea that the Gelflings were so connected to the earth and how there's, there's, mm-hmm. that, there's that idea of the force, you know, where um, we're all connected to each other and we're connected to the world that you inhabit. And they sort of brought mm-hmm. that into like, now we're keep on bringing in the Star Wars thing. Um, well, I know that they've talked about it, um, but that idea that we're all connected to each other. Mm-hmm. how we adversely affect things or we um positively yeah. affect things um yeah. sort of stuck with me throughout my life as well that i thought that was a very powerful theme throughout yeah interesting oh, yeah, yeah so. see i didn't i didn't really come away with that i mean now having watched the the, the tv series that's 
that's obviously an integral part of the setting. But I didn't really recall that part. I guess for me, for some reason, the Gelfling plotline wasn't as interesting as the overarching, um, yeah. you know, uh, Skeksis yeah. and, and Uru uh, plotline. And something about just that that grandness of that and then these, these characters being caught in the middle of this, like, almost mm-hmm. like cosmic event, you know, um, that was what kind of blew my mind. Because I don't think I'd come across a story that had the scale of what was happening in the film before. And that's, that was what really like stuck with me afterwards of thinking of stories, but having heroes, but having them being part of a much greater circle of events. Steve, I have a a question. Had you seen the Lord of the Rings cartoon at this point when you saw this film? Uh, You're talking about like the back. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, maybe, but I don't, I, I I was, I loved the Hobbit. But the Lord of the Rings, uh, I didn't see as much of, so I don't have as many recollections of it as a kid. Uh, why do you ask? Because um, just the scale, the the grandness of it. Like it sure, sort of, like we were talking about earlier, how it sort of played off the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I, you, I you felt that epicness, like the Lord of the or the inter the theme of interconnectedness. Yeah. with the world. Yeah, I that's a thing. Like that, I, I think Lord of the Rings is one of those ones that I must have been on TV, and I didn't, I didn't catch it as often as The Hobbit. So The Hobbit doesn't have that scale to that degree. Like you felt like there was a world there, but it felt like more like a series of sort of unrelated, you know, situations they run into. Whereas, yeah, had I been more familiar with the Lord of the Rings cartoon, I think I would have caught more of that. So this ended up being the one, you know, that that had the the sort that of the, scale. The, yeah, the 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 stellar, you know, constellation, you know, harmony of the universe kind of thing going on mm-hmm. in it. Um, so uh, the film uh, cost around $20 million to make and it made around $40 million. So it was considered uh, a, a success for the most part. Wow. But bearing in mind that that was also the year it was competing against uh, E.T., amongst other things, <laughs> and The Thing, uh, which also actually didn't do very well. So maybe that's not a good comparison. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't do great because a lot of people didn't know what to make of the film. Um, yeah. Honestly, I, I'm sure, you know, reviewers were kind of taken aback by it. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Jim Hansen did want to make a sequel and uh, he was thinking about it and he had notes. Uh, and then unfortunately he passed away. And then uh, many years later, um, the uh, the original screenwriter uh, Odell uh, did create uh, some possible uh, sequel, uh, and that that was in 2005, and uh, it ended up in uh, production uh, hell and a uh, development hell. Sorry, it never went anywhere. And then um, and then I guess uh, more recently um, the discussion changed to well maybe let's uh, do it as a series um, instead as a prequel instead of a sequel because we have enough material, you know, to explore the world a bit more. And um, that takes us to now. Now, of course there were some comic books in there as well, but I don't know exactly how they relate now to the TV show because I'm not sure if they're canon now because there's a lot of material that actually did come about in between. Um, But we'll have to see because I know they used a lot of ideas from the uh, young adult uh, books and, um, but I think the comics were mostly set after, so I don't know. Um, anyway, so the new series. Uh, so I guess right away, I'm just going to ask everybody, um, did you feel that this was in the universe of the film, uh, Matt? Oh, for me, very much so. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just the first, the first 
I'd say 15 minutes of the first episode, I I could not stop grinning because they were able to recapture that magic from the original right. almost perfectly. Mm-hmm. And you know, you could tell you can you know when you see Brian Froud's name come up yeah. in the credits, I'm like, okay, so they they did this smart. Like they weren't trying to mimic his style, they got him to design. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it sh- and it showed like throughout the entire series, it definitely showed his influence was there. And it just they created they created that world, but they created that world before everything had fallen apart. Because that's yeah. with, with the film, like it's supposed to be after all this decimation has occurred in you know thousands of years. It this series is definitely earlier than that because everything's still very green and lush and hasn't mm-hmm. darkened the way it, it does in the in the film. Yeah. Um, Hawk, um, I think you, we were talking about this. Um, did you read somewhere it's set like 50 years before the other film? Because I actually couldn't find that information. I don't know where I came across. I know I saw something yeah. to that effect, that this cool. occurs 50 years prior to the events of the Dark Crystal. All right. Uh, which would kind of make sense, you know, considering yeah. like how dramatically everything you know, was changing and that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah. So how about you? Um, having watched the two back to back, like what did you feel like, you know, was it, was it a good, you know, Oh, it was back in. It was perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like I said, it, the first episode really gets you hooked, especially with the visual style on that. I'm so yeah. glad they went with that decision on that. Oh um, yes. Mm-hmm. I remember like uh, some trailers before and I don't know if I watched the trailers that closely, but I was a little put off cause I thought, Oh, they're using they're just. I think they're just going to CGI this. They're yeah, gonna right. Yeah, yeah. There was some early. Um, obviously, when they took this on, they were considering all their options, and that mm-hmm. is the more obvious uh, uh, option. But they actually did a testing where they did the puppet uh, Skeksis with uh, CG Galfling, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just it was so obvious that the two things yeah. were totally incongruous, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then because they never thought they would get the cash to do everything as a puppet. That's why they were trying to uh, cut corners. But uh, what I discovered later, though, is the uh, the CG people uh, came back and said, okay, no, that makes sense, but we can still do something for you. And um, uh, yeah, like the blinking is not the puppets a lot mm-hmm. of the time. That's actually a little bit of just CG, like yeah. tweaking, just to add just that little bit of extra life, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, definitely, um, definitely yeah. amazing recreation. Which is an amazing uh, contribution to the series mm-hmm. and that, that I guess we can only add like, yeah. right now because I think, I don't know if everybody agrees, but I think the Gelfling design yeah. and, and animation was probably what kind of would take you out of the original movie. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah oh, just just to add to what we were saying about how many years it takes place before, Lisa Henson has mentioned that they're going to keep it vague so that you don't see how many okay. years it is before. Because yeah. we don't okay. know how long okay. the series yeah, is going to be, enough. right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe I got some bad information from an overambitious yeah, captioning guy. No, I kind of assumed it was like really far in the past, but it makes more sense that it's a little closer because. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like that, that actually makes more sense to me logically, but yeah, there's a lot they can still do. After this the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think, I think the big trick is they've never, they never really, well, I'm trying to think cause they, I can't remember if they actually say how, how, like the span of time between conjunctions. I don't think they've mentioned usually cause, like, cause you no. know, cause you know, the yeah. film takes place leading up to the, the grand conjunction. Right. So, I mean, if you really wanted to like deep dive into this, if you can figure out how far off right. they are from that conjunction, you would be able to tell how far removed it is. I mean, 
But if there's no real way to tell that time, then you mm-hmm. can. And who knows if conjunctions are a set amount of time or if it's just this era. Yeah. Next era. Yeah, exactly. That's true. And yeah, and they keep using the word trine, which we don't even really know what the length of time that is. I mean, trine it's, is it's like a year, but yeah. then, you know. I, 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 always, I always interpreted that as the amount of time it takes for all three suns to have sure we've gone around all three suns sure that makes sense because yeah. trine because you have the, the three oh suns. nice okay Presumably that it's for the, that for thrall to get all the way around all three suns would be a trine okay yeah. but since there's no way to tell what that time is you, you can't you have no way of knowing yeah something i forgot to say earlier about um how the movie impacted me um it's definitely the art style and just the very intentional uh, conceptual work of Brian Froud. And it was really nice, uh, as you mentioned, Matt, that they managed to get him for this series again. And actually his family uh, was involved because he's just there, you know, doing his doodles, making, you know, weird creatures come to life. And, and yeah. they had him design every single thing in this. But uh, there's a great documentary um, that I did get a chance to see on the making of. Uh, and I do highly, highly recommend it. Uh, because yeah, like the movie magic involved is something else. And, um, yeah, in the, in the, in the documentary, like the son actually had to help interpret a lot of his father's uh, illustrations uh, for the, for the uh, production. Um, so yeah. And I have to say like, yeah, Brian Froud's work like ever since has just stuck with me. So I, uh, I actually, after watching this, I want to, I actually want to start drawing again. I was just, uh, I'd kind of forgotten how magical, um, the original film was to me, mm-hmm. uh, but in particular seeing it realized like the way that they did, like, and I mean, that's a thing. They had all the production notes, all the production photos. So they recreated this like perfectly. Uh, although the scale is a little different. Apparently the Skeksis before used to be operated by six people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now I don't know, is it like three? I'm not, couldn't tell. It's three, they, but they have the amount of puppeteers needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the Gelflings used to be operated by four and now they're operated by two. And there's a fun bit of weird random trivia about that too that I, yeah. I laughed at when I saw that. Um, they said part of the, the what freed up the movement is for the Gelflings especially is that originally a lot of the animatronic aspects had to be operated via cables. Oh, sure. yeah, Just because, you know, 82. Uh, but now the reason that they only need two to operate it now is because they actually used uh, modified Wii controllers to operate <laughs> oh, all the animatronics wow. on the uh, Gelflings and the Skeksis. That's like amazing. Yeah. Well, there are there are CG companies that use like connects yeah. to like mold yeah. things. Yeah. So they apparently they they backward they basically rewired the controllers to operate uh, a lot of the motion, which freed up you know basically two bodies per because like, Gelfings used to be four. Yeah. And yeah, now it only takes crazy. two. Yeah. And actually, getting back to what Hawk was saying, um, yeah, I I have to say one thing that maybe took away from the original film was the Gelfling faces, which are so drastically improved. Like that's the one massive leap because the Skeksis are pretty much the same, you know, like they really haven't changed that much, but the Gelfling facial skin texture and just their expression, because mm-hmm. they had this kind of like thousand yard stare before and this mm-hmm. kind of uncanny Valley thing going. And there still is that uncanny Valley, but they look, they, they emote so well in this TV yeah. series. Like I'm just they, amazed. Yeah. yeah. They feel more alive. I wonder if over the course of this series that they're going to make them more like, um, I guess 
um, like the darkening takes over them a little bit more. Mm. Mm. Well, like they can I, move towards that design. Yeah. 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 Like oh yeah, we're going to be spoiling this uh, series just before anyone else says anything. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, you should probably go now. But we, we highly recommend it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, what were you going to say, Matt? Well, I was going to say because since we're talking about this, I, I wanted to, to put out the the random poll as to now that we've seen the series. What clans do we think Jem uh, and Kira from the original movie are from? Uh, that's a good one. I don't think they're going to be clans anymore. I feel like they're going to all mix. Yeah, them. yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I was trying to make those connections, right? Because, yeah. um, you know, like, Deet and her sort of affinity for animals, although mm-hmm. her powers seemed like, like in, in the original Dark Crystal, sorry, what was the Kira. female? Kira's powers seemed really like like jedi like right i mean she could talk mm-hmm. to everything right but yeah I, yeah like i felt like they, they did a good job at um paralleling a lot of things mm-hmm. between the film but as to their actual relationship yeah i'm still yeah um, happily well, the, unclear on so yeah. there's that vision that happens near the end of the series where you see yeah. bria yes yeah uh, what running away, running with, away a child. with a child so i wonder one of them like i'm, I'm maybe they're I'm, twins <laughs> no. Oh, I I sincerely hope they don't do that. I would get so irritated. That'd be gross. Do not do not Luke and Leia, Jim and Kira. That would just be so irritating. I hope it's not any either of them, and I hope it's maybe like their parent or something. That'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's the thing. They've made it so vague. It it, it might not, not actually be them. Um, yeah. So it's kind of. I think cool. I think again, it's going to depend very heavily on. Um, because again, this is very spoilery, but where they go with the the proposed second or third season with yes, it. yes, because so, I mean, realis- realistically, where where the first season ended, yeah, uh, they could expedite that that war very very quickly because there are Gartham now. Yeah, well, I yeah, I'm very curious where they could go from here. Um, but you know what? If they never made another one, I'd be really happy. I guess yeah. that was the next thing I wanted to say is like the way they've expanded the universe and added to the film is just, to me, it's unprecedented, honestly. Like, I don't know yeah. that there's anything else that does this good job, this good a job at uh, prequeling. Uh, now, mainly on the weakness of the original film. Like, I will put that caveat out there, right? Uh, because obviously we can discuss and debate other prequels. But I think the first film has some weakness and this TV series completely blows that away. Um, yeah. But yeah, what did you guys feel? Like, um, uh, Hawk, I mean, in terms of like its significance as a prequel, like, did you think it, uh, it, it, it makes the original experience a lot richer in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I've got it on the background. They just finished that scene where they're going through the old throne room of the, of, oh, of the yes. right. And it, uh, destroyed and like, you know, overgrown at this yeah. point in history. Wow. Uh, the, this, pre- this prequel series and that did a great job with backstory and that. And the, mm-hmm. um, I push like when I push you to make it to episode, at least to episode seven. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was because of the whole history of throw. Yes. Done that puppet puppetry by puppets. By puppets. <laughs> fantastically. God. With the noble art of puppetry. <laughs> <laughs> and opera. I'm just going to say right now, that whole sequence, I give a giant shout out to Bill Hader and, um, oh God, what's Andy Samberg <laughs> for carrying that? Because that was, you could tell that they were just improving off each other. Yeah. And it was so beautiful to watch. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the voice cast for this show was oh, yes. Yes. And you couldn't tell that it was them. Yeah. Like it was, it was definitely. Yeah. Um, them doing character. There are, there are times. Skek, I, Skek Tech, I knew was Mark Hamill. The scientist? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
because it, yeah, it, it, it was his joker voice. it sounds like it's a joker yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's well, that didn't bother me at all like that didn't ruin it that made it no. better for me because i'm like and same with um i could tell eddie izzard yeah right that's away okay. only only once he had his mind wiped he started doing the hello yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, was, um, there was one more person that really famous that uh i recognized the chamberlain no it, w- it wasn't it wasn't simon Pegg. Okay. toby toby but, jones i also clocked right away yes, actually to be fair a lot of the, a lot of the secondary characters i got like helena bottom carter i got right away harvey fire uh fire harvey yeah. Yeah. wow yeah. he's yeah i mean yeah i was like <laughs> oh wait a minute i know that voice yeah um but, but i also simon Pegg is an absolute genius because he mm-hmm. recreated yes. Chamberlain's voice perfectly. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I was amazed by that, actually, because I was like, I don't know how they're going to do some of these ridiculous voices. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, another little factoid. Originally, uh, Frank Oz was supposed to do the voice of uh, Agra, but um, uh, Henson wanted a, a female voice. Um, that character went through a lot of changes, too. Um, but that's that's amazing, because, yeah, I just when she opened her mouth, I was like, that sounds exactly the same. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like how is that possible? So, wow. Well, it's Kevin all, Flash it's, is fairly talented. Being, yeah. um, it's all about the right actor. And I mean, like until I found out, like take Avengers Endgame when, or when I found out like, you know, Mark Ross Marquand was the one who did the voice of, you know, new red skull and that I was pretty blown away because it's right. exactly right. So yeah. they did a great job this time around on that, especially, I gotta say, with Simon Pegg and the Chamberlain and that, because like mm-hmm. out of all the Skeksis, he was the one iconic voice you yeah. remember. Yeah, that yeah, that's really that was really the one voice where you needed to hear yeah. it sound the same because if it didn't, it would pull you right out of it. Yeah, no, I um, uh, I they I think the Skeksis in general are, are much more entertaining in this version because mm-hmm. they made them a lot more distinct. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. Simon Pegg is just, that's just amazing. Yeah. Jason Isaacs as the Emperor, I, I, he's unrecognizable. Like, I mean, he's just doing yeah. a weird cartoon villain voice, but yeah. he doesn't sound like him at all. Well, so but good. also, uh, Benedict Wong as the general, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, again, like, well, yeah, that, uh, who else was in there? Keegan Michael Key. Yes. I didn't I, even recognize him either. Yeah, he was the, um, yeah. who was, uh, Keegan Michael Key, who was he? Uh, he was, Skeksok, the ritual master. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Now, actually, this was one little thing I wanted to ask you guys. Um, I didn't think the general looked that much like the general from the film, and then he dies in the different general. <laughs> so it must he's be a different dead. general, right? The, uh, like, it's, I'm trying the, to figure out who it is then. The, the general in this was a different character. In the movie, it was the Gartham Master. Who had uh, they and they uh, in the series? I think it was a, a eight or nine. Yeah, we were talking about we need to call all our brethren back. Yep. Right. So yeah. there yeah, are other, just, there are other Skeksis that haven't come in yet because we need to have them. Yeah, like they haven't introduced like, the with the yet. with the Earth with the Earth Skeks and the uh, there were eighteen eighteen came, in total that came yeah. to throw. Yeah. Yeah, so there's this, and and the fact that they've kind of set that up as well with yeah. like the heretic and the hunter, you know, yeah. not being around. So, yeah. oh, man, well, and there great. was even yeah. there's even uh, the one I can't remember which which text was the one that had that growth on her face. Yeah, she didn't show up until <laughs> later. Doesn't yeah. exist in the movie at all. So that's oh. there's, well, there's she's dead now too. Didn't yeah. she get killed at the end? Yeah, like, she was the yeah. one who got destroyed by the dark matter. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, so there's clearly there's lots of other enemy in the the prequel the comics and novels. There was tons of other Skeksis that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Did they ever that, explore the hunter in the in the in the original? No, no. no. The hunter's new. No, the, the, the hunter was yeah. fantastic. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was oh man, that was a sinister. That was a good uh, and a that good was villain. That was the one moment where I was I wasn't sure if I was going to be okay with the CG on it, and it worked perfectly because it was a Skeksis that was actually athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was interesting and unique. Like he had, he had to move he had to move quickly, and it and it worked. It didn't mm-hmm. look it yeah. didn't look strange. The melding of CG and puppetry was incredible. Yeah, yeah. they, they did was, the right amount. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, just one side point. Um, I just found that actually <clears throat> the Agra is actually voiced by Donna Kimball. Kevin Clash is the puppeteer. I wasn't sure because both yeah. of them puppet. They're so, yeah. in the credits are listed as the same character. So yeah, yeah, yeah it gets confusing because they actually are crediting the puppeteers for once, which is yeah. which is great. Yeah. But it does uh, it does confuse. That, but like yeah. Clash he, he does both. Voices. He does voices and yeah. and puppets, and he does both. So oh yeah. okay. Well, we'll give them both credit for now, and someone else yeah. can sort it out. So. Well, and that's that's yeah. a very much a Henson thing too. If you look at any Henson property, they always credit the puppeteer as well as the voice actor of course like nine and a half times out of ten because they they're doing the same amount of work yeah no i'm i'm just so amazed that they were able to bring around bring together so much talent for this and um i'm, I'm really happy uh, that they were able to pull this off also uh you know kudos to the director who um we really drove this project but he directed every single episode which is unheard of for like and a series it was Louis leterriere you know yeah yeah, and, and like I, I, you know, I, I can't say I'm like a, a huge fan of his like stuff. You know, I mean, like his stuff yeah. has been like the Incredible Halt and the his yeah. Hulk Transporter awesome. and the Transporter Unleashed, that uh, yeah. ridiculous Jet Li movie. Yeah. But like what? You mean ridiculously good Jet Li? <laughs> no, the the one is the best Jet Li movie. I didn't say himself. it was the best. I said ridiculously good. Oh, okay, well, okay. every episode of this series and there and his direction was fantastic. You couldn't have asked for a better guy. You know, where did he pull this out of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, just amazing, amazing work by everybody in this. I feel like they, they he pulled it out of a love for the original material, right? Yeah. Sure. When you watch that documentary, that. Yeah, that was the theme of the documentary. And that, like, like you know, like just so much in love with the original material. A generation mm-hmm. of actors and directors who love this film and material and that, you know. Did we mention that the, the lead puppet designer was from Labyrinth? Like, Mm. Yeah. from Labyrinth, the baby. Yeah. Yes, like that's that's yes. amazing. Oh, yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that yeah. was Sprout's. Yeah, Toby Sprout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's oh, that yeah. connection. And if you amazing. if you actually go back and I mean it's all over YouTube. Go look up some of his work. He mm. has done phenomenal puppeteering work of his own accord. Yes, uh, and, and you definitely can see the family style in, in the puppets that he's designed as well too. So yeah, again, once I saw that he was like the frouds were involved, I'm like, this is going to be yeah. magical. <laughs> yeah, this this movie plus the documentaries made me realize I I, I made wrong choices in my life. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love the series, but it's kind of it's kind of made me a little sad. <laughs> there, actually, there's one, there, there's one other shout out I have to give in this just because it, of the the op, both the operation and the voicing, which was the same performer, was uh, Victor Yared who does, who operated and voiced Hup. Oh yeah! Wow, oh, such a good yeah. Oh man, it, that was, that character was so cute and it so was, and it was endearing. Oh my god, it was like it was beautiful old school Henson uh, muppeteering. It, it felt like those little dudes from uh, uh, Fraggle Rock. Yeah, yes, the dudes, yeah. losers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that he kept blowing raspberries at everything he didn't like. Yeah, was so su- like, that was that took me right back to like the Muppet Show. Yeah, that as was soon a as fun you started fighting with the spoon, I was like, yeah. you, "You've you have me." Yeah, yeah. 
You're gold. Yeah, the characters, like, that's a thing. Like, I mean, there wasn't anything like that in the original. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, for them to add something like that was so, it, it made sense, though, because that character was so delightful. Well, it, it was weird because they took, like, because he was a podling, and they took the podlings, which were victims in the first yeah. movie, like, pretty much consistently. They were slaves and they were victims. And you yeah. created this noble warrior out of a very ineffectual character. And it was so adorable to watch. Yeah. So good. Uh- can, um, can we go back to that whole idea of the expanding this, um, like the pre the prequel expanding the universe? Yeah, because so, yes. I, I know that's what we start off before I <laughs> veered us off onto all these other topics. Well, it's a big universe out there. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like it, I, I was talking to Hawk when I was just early in the season, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this show because it felt like they were just riffing on Lord of the Rings, which I know the original one did, mm-hmm. but like the the they the DP is amazing. I'm not going to knock them or anything, but it looked like they were pulling shots out of like Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. Sure. And it started, kept on throwing me because the original movie looks so, I don't want to say drab, but earthy. Yeah. It looked earthy. It didn't have this big tone. Yes. Mm-hmm. As soon as the first episode ends and Deke comes out of that tree, I was like, Hey, look, it's the Hobbit. Um, sure. Sure. No, but like, I, I don't want to say that it didn't, it didn't uh, feel like a good expansion, but it ha- it took some time for me to grow because I had all these preconceived notions of all these older films that I had seen. Sure, so interesting. And they, they definitely pull off of it, and and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, it, I being a nerd that I am, it's just like oh, I can see where that they're referencing that or where they're <laughs> referencing that. Yeah, but as soon as you like start just going into the story, just like. It just balloons out into this magical land of amazingness. Yeah, no, I agree. I uh, I didn't notice that as much um, because I guess I'd already like <laughs> we were making all these comments about how the original was like you know Star Wars pretty much, and uh, so there was always this sort of foregone conclusion that it was you know connected to a lot of other references for me anyway. But um, but I, I guess my my take on it as I started to watch it was like, how were they going to expand on the universe? And so, yeah, I, I agree. Some of those shots were definitely Lord of the Rings style shots. Um, yeah. I, I don't know who the cinematographer was for this, uh, for this run. So we have to look yeah. into that. The history um, of it. I'll look into it while people talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know. Was there anything else anyone wanted to comment though, in terms of like uh, its uh, ability to add to the original film? I, I think it also made the original film better. Oh, like, yeah, sure. This, yeah. this film, I, I honestly nice. think this series is better than the original film. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's Absolutely. hard to say that because the original film is so good, mm-hmm. but this one just adds so much. Like the clans and like, the, like how they, there's this class system and then there's mm-hmm. even more history behind those clans. Yeah. Um, no, I smiled every. Yeah, I smiled every time they introduced like somebody from a different clan, and then I started to pick up on that because they weren't like really heavy-handed about it. And yeah. then like just just the details of the world, and they just started to fill out. And I was like, oh wow, like these people have a totally different, you know, like a culture mm-hmm. and and dress, and you know, like those just those details. Like, and yeah, I I mean, I think it's sort of come across, but I do think that as impactful as the film, the original film was to me. I do feel it doesn't quite live up to all of that um, art direction and and world building. Uh, mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's it's a very simple movie and it's a little slow in parts. But this series definitely fulfills that promise, that mm-hmm. potential that I think it 
the the movie doesn't quite pull off but that's that maybe that's maybe me but the series is explicit versus like all the implicit lore of the original movie in that that's Um, true you know, uh, on top of that, like, you know, it gives you a clear, really clear picture of what the Skeksis did to this world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not just yeah. to the earth itself and that, but to like the cultures and the races and everything. Yeah. That. yeah first, that's yeah. First subverting them and that and kind of oh, cheering yeah. them, making the Gelfling like, you know, the basically the middle class. Yeah, yeah. So you're a grand madra because we say you're great. You're all madra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then and creating the conflicts between the clans just to keep everybody down. No, I, 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 yeah, that's actually a really good point. I mean, you know, related to the, you know, the prequel question because I think a lot of times um, you'll get these great movies uh, or characters, and then people will just want to keep revisiting them, right? The villains yeah. or, or or even the heroes, and they never quite add anything they just kind of like end up being these background characters who just show up kind of like darth vader has fought everybody he's fought like thousands of jedi and i don't feel like there are very many stories out of those thousands maybe two or three that are actually worthwhile um i mean if you get right down to it like some of the like the expanded universe stuff which is now you know null um he got his ass beat like by at least 500 other characters. I mean, yeah. just because they wanted to have Darth Vader in there, you know, which uh-huh. it's just like, it's just like, ah, you know, you're, 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 yeah. you need him, you know, like why are you, you messing with that? But yeah, no, like the Skeksis are now definitely much more interesting because of, yes, um, that they actually ruled over a lush kingdom before it became mm-hmm. a wasteland yeah. you know, by the time of the movie. And you see the level of corruption that, that occurred as you, because you look at the movie, like it's, the, the comparison that my brain always wants to make, and I'll keep it very succinct because it could be a whole deep dive we'll go on. It's the, what Dark Crystal Age of Resistance did is what Star Wars episode one, two, and three should have done. Yeah, I wasn't going to go there, but. I, I, I know, but it's, it's the best comparison I, I can make. But it's because it, yeah. it took an existing lore, which yeah. was the Dark Crystal, where you've seen the aftermath of a situation. And it right. took back just far enough to see how good things were. Yeah, but you, can yeah. Still, but you see not only the seeds of where that corruption occurred, but you actually care about the characters, even the villains. It creates them yeah. as like these intricate characters, not just stock villains. Yeah, where they're kind of like, oh, here's a villain, and you're gonna not like him because you know what he becomes. Yeah, you see, you see not only what they what they are, and that trajectory you can see where that trajectory occurs, but you see just how far back that corruption occurs. Yeah, and you actually care about it by the time you learn about it in the series. Yeah, I didn't want to be the one to, to say that, but I, yeah, I definitely felt that. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, was the, that was the one thing that did sit in my head when we when I started the series was um, the fact that the, the the history that they were presenting you was wrong. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Skeksis have always ruled over the crystal. I'm like, no, because like you know, watching the movie, you know that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So it, that was the one thing that pulled me away from it. Is I'm like, no, they they're rewriting their own lore. And then you get to the episode where they meet, you know, the heretic, the heretic <laughs> yeah. wanderer, and you're like, "Oh, that's actually intentional. Like they've been doing this on purpose to, you know, yeah. to lie to everyone." And it was, was a like, clever. It was a clever way to to. And in yeah, that exact moment, them. I'm like, I am now fully invested in this story because you were doing that intentionally, not just you screwed up when you were trying to write a story. You actually yeah. put thought into the lies that had been created by the Skeksis as well, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If um, for those who want to hear a good uh, Star Wars prequel pitch, sure, check out Belated Media. Um, they've done these three videos called "What If 
episode one was good? What if episode two was good? What, what if episode three was good? <laughs> cool. And the overlying message that he gives is that you have to care about Obi-Wan and Anakin as people that were friends. Um, you have to care about a villain that, you know, is overarching and not just different in each movie. Right. There has to be a constant threat. Sure. And there has to be something that ties that to the old, to the older series, right? Like what Matt was saying with the the dark crystal, like that. Yeah. There's a lot I could say. about. If if you don't care about the villain, the hero, the hero's journey is inconsequential. Yeah. There's no point. Yeah. That definitely hurts it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, Unless someone else wants oh, to add more. more thing. Than that. Oh, Sorry. sure, sure. Go ahead. Eric Wilson asking. was the cinematographer for the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Okay. okay. Um, he's done a couple other things like Paddington 2, um, right. New Gaiman's Likely Stories. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. One, and some other stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good to know. Yeah. Um, so I guess the last question, this one is the probably one of the more interesting ones because it relates to the original film. Um, is this series uh, for kids or what age would you say is appropriate? I would say the TV series has now gone to a point where I don't know that it's actually for kids. The movie, maybe you could get away with. But anyway, I, I can see everyone wanting to say something. So, uh, Eric, I'll start with you. How about um, what were those little things that attached to people's heads? Oh, the, the, uh, the ascendancy. Ascendancy? The ascendancy? They were awesome. the, the, But yeah. the ascendancy part of it yeah. was terrifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> I'm scared of it now as yeah. an adult. Um, I don't I don't know what age you could show this. Like I definitely would show the first couple episodes to my kid. I think she'd be fine with it. Yeah. But like there are some deep themes in this. Like mm-hmm. this feels like later, like ten higher. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, yeah, definitely like young adult, not so much yeah. ki- like young. I'd say once you hit about 9, 10, 11 for sure, you yeah. can show it and the kid would be able to kind of understand it. But any younger than that, there's also just a lot of like. There's a lot. There's, there's, there's a, a lot. lot of, like, there's poli- like, like cultural political stuff that's that's brought forward in a good yeah. way. So it's a lot of heavy themes for a kid to wrap their brain around. Sure, but I think they'd still be able to appreciate it without really. Mm-hmm. you know understanding that stuff uh yeah. there are two scenes in particular I, w- I can think of that would make mm-hmm. it you know like it would have to be like 9 10 11 higher yeah. you know right. um the first scene was a little back i think it was around episode four they're picking out the uh seven gelfling to go with them to the uh, lab and that yeah. you know under the pretext that you know they're what gonna fight the Arathum. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And the, yeah. the way that one Skeksis was leering at the young uh oh sure. Yeah flinging that, leering at him, licking its chops and that. Yeah. yeah. There was yeah, we can tell that oh yeah. That's uh, also the scene where we learned that redheads are evil everywhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In all universes, yes. Yeah. The second scene comes later at the I think it's episode nine when the scientist when the those two uh the, I forgot um, what they're called. Yes, the, the, the ones with the mouth. lips and that. Yes. They're not podlings or something. Grunax. Another Grunax. Grunax. Grunax and that. The scene yep. in the lab and they try to free yep. themselves and that. The murder of the one in the, yes. out in the shadows. It is brutal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I had written down in my notes. I mean, they had the guy turning to dust again, which I think, I mean, the original movie version was horrific, but this time it was just as nasty. 
Uh, the draining, loading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. The, so yeah. the multiple oh, draining too, and and actual gelflings like just yeah yeah blowing up right. Oh yeah. So a lot of a lot of actual like questionable death, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, the ascendancy hive mind, which was really mm-hmm. freaky. Like definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry, I, I had to give this because again, I lost my mind when it happened. I loved the way, like as much as it was CG. I love the fact that it was a definitive uh, shout out to the helping hands from Labyrinth. This, it was the same animation style that they did with the helping hand when in Labyrinth, when she falls on the pit and all those hands stop her and then they puppeteer the mouths with their hands. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. They mm-hmm. did. It was, nice. a, it was a similar uh, animated style that they did with the, the Arathim. I, I thought that was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Even though it was CG, it still looked it had that puppeteering feel because nice. they were using their bodies to, to create these faces. Yeah. No, I totally yeah. missed that. Something I, I've done before. Who knew? Who knows, right, yeah. Matt? Yeah, no, I need to, I need to rewatch a labyrinth now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of like fun little Easter eggs in this uh, show, just like of general nerd them. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed the star, the, the Warcraft um, Easter egg that they did mm-hmm. where one of the knights or the, one of the guards of the dark crystal, the crystal tower, He's like, join the palace guard, they said. Yeah. And I was like, ah. Oh, I missed that line. That's so funny. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Everything's a reference now. It's fantastic. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the last thing I was going to say was what Hawk said. I mean, when, when he beat that, uh, was it Grunak? Grunak. Grunak. And like the way the, that was just like, that was just like a horror movie thing. Yeah. Like the blood spattering oh, yeah. on a witness. Like, what the oh, heck? Yeah. Like that, that was by far the nastiest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he he's just laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, can't, just can't get away from it. Just can't nope. get away. It's Mark Hamill. It's yeah, Mark. It's Mark yeah, Hamill. yeah, I guess because it's Mark Hamill. Oh, and he was so good. I mean, man, the moment he opened his mouth. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Just and the, I, the, that man more, more to, the, the scenes more with him and Simon Pegg as the Chamberlain. <laughs> well, like the first, oh, I think it was the good. first two, three episodes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just their interaction was just beautiful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Could you imagine watching that? Happen in a sound booth. They were saying that they were amazing. Yeah, it would have been absolutely amazing. One more bit of trivia from the show, because uh, the scientist was a holdover from you know, the dark, the original Dark yes. Crystal. That yeah, love seeing how he lost his eye. Yes, yes, yes. I yeah, and that's another scene that that's horrific, right? I mean, that's like that's like getting to Wrath of Khan. Like, I mean, don't they don't show yeah. it like they do in Wrath of Khan, but like holy crap, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't quite know what happens and then he comes in the next scene and explains exactly what happens. Like, yeah. you know, oh man. You're like, oh that wow, that's, yeah. I was like, yeah. God, no eye horror, no eye horror. Yeah, and I forgot that he had that eye and then I went back to watch the movie like, oh, oh my God, that's But so I'm good. also really intrigued to see how he loses his hand. Because in the mm, movie, yeah. he had that metal claw as well, too. So I'm really intrigued huh. to see how... Something for season hands. two. Great. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I noticed... I noticed this, yeah, I did notice his hands looked different. So, oh, goodness. Yeah. That poor scientist. Yeah. <laughs> you notice who the narrator was of the... Or the myth speaker? It was, uh, was Sigourney it? Weaver, Sigourney was, was it? it? Yeah. Yeah, she opened it. How amazing it. is that? Yeah. Oh, like, this, this cast. cast. She's voiceover cast. lady at this point. Oh, cool. <laughs> Remember she was the voiceover for Finding Dory? In the, yeah. in the aquarium, yeah, yeah, oh, but they asked that. you to do that. <laughs> for, <laughs> for fun. Yeah, um, so I don't know. I, I think we've kind of covered it all. I mean, Dark Crystal. I mean, what can I say? I love the I love the TV series. I hope they do more. But now I need to got to go find these hard to find comics, and um, 
I want to uh, find I want to find the original art books for this. Yeah, they they republished the art books a couple yeah. of years ago, mm-hmm. and they're still mm-hmm. oh my god, amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I probably did at some point pick up something by Brian Brian uh, Froud, and hopefully the art book for this particular movie because this is the one I probably would have wanted, but I'm not sure. But yeah, I'm gonna have to hunt that down. Yeah. Um, I have somewhere in my my storage area. I have Brian Froud's uh, Fairies book. Oh yes, which is yes. where a lot of the art for Labyrinth came from. Right, or the con, like the the ideas came from that. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. I'm so I was so happy to see him in the documentary. I, I assumed that you know he wasn't alive, so <laughs> I'm really happy to see that he's alive and kicking and still yeah. doing his weird weird doodles. Oh, I'm 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 impressed they showed his original artwork in the in the documentary, like his mm-hmm. actual sketches. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was such a cool thing for them to do mm-hmm. where it came from. And Oh man. But oh, I mean, yeah. that whole bit where he's explaining about the lion and just like just being a total artist and just talking about like the life that he creates and then how that has to get passed on through all these, you know, processes until somebody brings it actually to life, you know, like yeah. just, that was such a wonderful piece of artistic philosophy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think they had to show the, the primordial, sketch you know mm-hmm. um in order yeah. for that uh, to really come across yeah yeah definitely watch the documentary when you're done because um it's totally worth it it's an hour oh, hour 30 but yeah worth fantastic. every minute it, yeah. it flies by yeah 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 i wish there was more mm-hmm. yeah to be honest yeah yeah no hopefully hopefully there'll be more yeah that was the and that that because i mentioned this earlier that that, that brings in my rant on this where i oh, when, right when i finished episode 10 I really wish there was more, (laughs) but it it kind of bothered me because I didn't expect it to be a to be continued kind of series. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't don't expect that from a Netflix thing where usually Netflix is, they're kind of self-contained and if they want to do more, they do. But you also know about it right away where it's like usually by, you know, 24 hours after they launch something, they're like, oh, they've ordered a new series. Yeah. So that just that kind of bothered me a little bit. <laughs> and See, I'm like, just tell the story. Like, we've waited 36 years. Tell the story. Don't don't make but, me wait another year for it. But I feel like that that's almost a product of of how ramped up it got at the end. Like at the end, I was just like, oh my god, I can't mm-hmm. stop. Right? Like this yeah. is getting. This is like it's on. You know, like this is it. Like I I thought it was going to be over too. Right? And from uh, six to ten, it was just yeah. like, yeah. Totally. But yeah, but the only concern that I have to it is that if they haven't filmed a second series already, mm-hmm. it's not like they can it's not like they can crank it out in like three, four months. Like that's gonna take years. I would rather they take their time with it, honestly, because this seemed to have so much creative like uh interplay of so many different mm-hmm. people and it and it just really came together. Yeah. I, I don't want them to rush another one. I don't want them to rush it either, but that's that's what kind of that's what bothered me about it. Is I watched that and I went, if they don't have something ready, like it's 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 one of those things where like if you don't know if you're going to get renewed for multiple series, don't leave don't leave a massive cliffhanger because you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yes, that's well. It's, it's that's the fire, kind it's, of the risk you have to take with like you know binge television nowadays, and that, yeah. especially with your producing it and that. Um, yeah. As a as a counterpoint to that, like um, the series Mindhunter on Netflix and that, yeah. to, the sequel, the second season took two years to produce and that, and like, yeah. I was fine with that because they took their time, absolutely, you know, and they came back with a great product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I, I could see them actually filming it now already. Like the the lady from Netflix that they were talking to in the documentary seemed. <laughs> Everybody seems so excited by it. You know, when they first sure. got that in their hands, they like they said this was our it, this was childhood come true. Well, well and I think it was like it's 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 Henson International that yeah that's producing it, and so and it's the it's I think one of the few properties that they made sure they maintained when they then they did their sale. Like they, mm. they own it exclusively. It's not like partnering with Disney. They own this. That's mm. true. They, so, they, they're saying something in the documentary where they're saying that a lot of the production time was them trying to recreate these old right. things, getting right. the Skeksis design right. And now that they have the molds and they have the 3D printers and they're saying how it's easier to print um, out body parts because you didn't sure. have to make it out of wood or right. Yeah, or, you're not you're not like actually physically sculpting it, molding it, letting it set. You can run it through a 3D printer and it'll yeah. take you a yeah. couple of days as opposed to a couple months. No, for sure. So, yeah, so it'll be easier for them to at least build things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, um, yeah, and they know uh, they can know what their target budget is a little bit more easily now because they've yeah. worked it all through. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. there were like 20 principal puppets and another mm-hmm. like 90 secondary puppets. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, that, that was the only real complaint that I had about the series. <laughs> Not enough. Beautiful, but if you're going to leave a cliffhanger like that, you've got to <laughs> give us something to go on. <laughs> at least tell us there's actually some coming. Yeah, like at least uh, no, we've ordered a second series. We're going to keep going with it because I mean, if if it's that's the end of the story for the Age of Resistance, I'm still fully happy with it. Yeah, me too. But the fact they left you just a couple little nuggets of oh, and by the way. We can go further with this. I'm like, I want you to go further with this. Tell me more. <laughs> you see that they found the shard at the end. You're just like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was like, this, this this glaive thing was just like that doesn't sound right to me, right? And yeah. I was like, oh well, there. Never mind. I mean, yeah, it. Um, yeah I, I'm kind of laughing because I mean, I actually kind of avoid a lot of tel- television now for that exact reason of like mm-hmm. having a show canceled like after one season. Yeah. But I'm sure with all the critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. They've gotten for this series. Yeah, they will probably make something. If not, oh, another yeah. series. Who knows? Maybe a film might get made now. You know, like oh, which God, I, that's what it I'd still be totally okay with that. If the whole thing builds up, you know, if they build up even one more season <laughs> and then a film, absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Seasons in a movie. Yeah. Yep. Because you, yeah. you know, you know, there is an end point to this. You know, so it's it. This is exactly, a final yeah. universe we're watching. So. Yeah, they, they do have a timeline that they have to operate on, and you can kind of draw it out as much as you can, but ultimately, all the Gelfling have to get eradicated, save two. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, it's going to be amazing. Do we know that they're definitely the last two? That's like, a they could have gone into hiding, too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, there could be more. Um, I mean, ar- arguably, Given how involved, at least in this series, Agra is with everything, yeah, if there right. were more hiding, she wouldn't have waited till Jem came to her. But unless a, it was a specific, yeah, people which, that she, yeah, which is true. But, but again, that's that something are, they would then have to explore. You are dealing with a series that deals in prophecies too, yes. right? And that was one of the things too that I was wondering about. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's one of these like Yoda situations, like mm-hmm. you know, the way she came across in the film mm-hmm. doesn't indicate a lot of this foreknowledge, right? I mean, yeah. you get, you get that she's an important person to the, mm-hmm. to Thra, but yeah. uh, like, what is her relationship? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. how does she end up with 
the crystal and not know which one it is, right? She pours yeah. out a whole box of them in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, these are all things I'm sure due yeah. to the amount of attention they put into the series, I'm sure they will come up with a reason yeah. uh, for. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I think that's, that's probably good for us talking about the dark crystal. So putting out there, what scenes in the original or in the TV series uh, traumatized you and uh, would probably traumatize your kids. Is there an age that you would be willing to show your kids these movies? Have you shown them labyrinth yet? Um, <laughs> write us, let us know. Uh, are there any other Jim Henson movies that have given you uh, nightmares? And um, I guess on that note, uh, we shall wish everyone a great, great evening. Good day and good night. Uh, everybody say bye. 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 Well, that's it for us this week on Geeks with Kids. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkids. Follow us on Twitter at geekswithkidscn. Check out our pics on Instagram at geekswithkids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.